With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 5 Eastern, 12 to Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. What up with you, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the Tyrac.com studios, Tyrac.com. Help you get there. Unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. Tyrac.com. It's the way that tire buying should be. Well, we have been talking a lot of movie songs and uh, soundtracks today, or at least one soundtrack. Um, Trevor uh, DMs me. Iris from City of Angels might be the best love song ever. Iris is uh, Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> Goo Goo Dolls, yeah. Okay, all fine, because right, I'll give up forever to, right, to, to hold you. That's the worst movie ever. There is nothing good about City of Angels. That's the one with uh, Meg Ryan and Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Right. Nicholas Cage plays an angel. I'm going to give a spoiler here, Dan, for a 30 year old movie that's really good that you'll never watch. And if your wife says, "Hey, let's watch City of Angels," it is. It's an incredibly romantic thing that Nicholas Cage did. He's an angel, like the guardian angel of Meg Ryan. This is back before Meg Ryan went crazy on like Botox and fillers. Have you guys seen Meg Ryan recently? She was like America's sweetheart. Now she's like, uh, there's, uh, it, it's, it's sad. Anyway, she was America's sweetheart. She's a doctor. Right? Was she a doctor? That's correct. I believe she's a doctor. And um, he's her guardian angel. He falls for her. But the only way he can become real and actually have a relationship is give up forever. He gives up his wings. He can't be an angel anymore. He can't be an angel and stop Meg Ryan. Like, can't happen. <laughs> so, you want to know what happens? Dan? So, I don't know. Yes, actually, I do. You so, want to guess? Uh, I'm guessing that he does. And then what happens? Uh, then he, uh, I'm going to guess, doesn't get what he wants. Well, no, he doesn't because 
He gives up forever. He gives up immortality as her guardian angel. The second he does, she's like, was she running or was she riding a bike? I can't remember. Did she get hit by something? She got hit by a truck. Okay. Dies. Dead. Never even got to, like, nothing. Jeez. All right? All-time bummer movie. That's a twist, man. That's a plot twist. Somebody's sitting there going, like, I was going to watch that. No, you weren't. <laughs> it was 35 years ago. Uh, what's the name of the listener? Mm, Trevor. Here's the problem with Trevor's tweet, other than what you just laid out. My problem is that I think Trevor said, Iris has to be the best love song ever, or off a soundtrack or whatever. And I have a problem with that proclamation because uh, music is so subjective. Yes. You can't just say it's the best thing ever. You could say it's my favorite uh, ever, uh. but you just can't say it's the best ever. You're right. You're, semant- you're, you're pointing yeah. out the semantics, and you're correct. But thanks for listening, Trevor. I just, Trevor, please we appreciate you listening. Steer clear of making those <laughs> proclamations. Right. That, that's for first take and undisputed in those shows where they can argue. However, City of Angels is crap. <laughs> Anyway. There are actual people who think Luke Combs' cover of Fast Car is better than the original, which is absurd. Um, I'm not oh. saying the Luke Combs version wow. is bad. Luke Combs' version is really good. It is good, but Fast Car is, I think it's I think it's an iconic song. Mm. Great song. Yes. By Tracy Chapman, just Tracy, FYI. Tracy, yes. Tracy, yeah. Tracy Chapman. I have actually have a uh, Macy Gray has kind of a remake of Do Something, which is an outcast song. You got to get up, get out, and get something. And her, it's amazing. Her song is amazing. She changed it a little bit, but it's really, really good. Dan Beyer brought this to my attention uh, a few months ago, and I went to listen to it. Ryan Adams, not Brian Adams, but Ryan <laughs> yes. Adams, does a cover of an old um, Wonderwall. Wonder, yeah, does Wonderwall. And a lot of people think it's a better song than the original. In fact, the person that wrote Wonderwall, why can't I think of his name? Noel Gallagher. Noel Gallagher says it's a better version of his own song. Yes, Noel Gallagher So go listen to that and tell me what you think. Um, I think it's the best cover that I've heard of a song. Noel Gallagher said, ah, that's what Wonderwall is supposed to sound like. Um, I forget who originally sang Valerie. I think it's Steve Winwood. Have you guys, that's correct. Have you guys heard... Um, Amy Winehouse's. She says there's a couple different versions of it. I always One thought is, Amy Winehouse was the original song. It isn't. No. I, I oh, really? Okay. No, I, I I think it was a it was a cover. Um, but her version of it was amazing, amazing. And I only got turned on because, as you guys know, I'm friends with Darius Rucker, and Darius, that's he closes his shows at, or he sings that in his encore performance, is he sings Valerie. And it is a, I mean, if, if you have like a raspy, soul-filled voice, like it is a money song. What a great song. Anyway, yeah, sometimes the sometimes the remakes are better, but yeah, it's the proclamations that get you. Like, it's a great- It's a great song ever. Yeah, the greatest, but that's a great topic, like talk show topic, the greatest cover songs. That That's a great topic. I have a great talk show topic, and we were going to get to it a different way, but I don't want to. Okay, so- um, you guys paid, I think, I feel like our show, uh, Rob Parker's like super into Major League Baseball, so I don't talk about Major League Baseball, but I do pay attention to a bunch of Major League Baseball. Um, Have you guys seen Luis Arias, how he's he's hitting four, he's hitting 400 now, right? Is he hitting 400? He was five for five last night. Yeah, and he's, he's batting four, 400. He's, yeah, he's hitting 400, he's hitting 437 at home. Okay, so... Florida Here, Air. Here's the question. Here's the question. 
Um, Dan brought up a really good topic in game time, which is like your three greatest historical um, stats. stats like, yeah. Right. And historically, we always looked at pitching wins, total career wins. Right. If you won 300 games, you're guaranteed a spot in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Are there any 300 game winners that aren't in the Hall of Fame, Dan? Does anybody know? I, I don't know. Those I don't, guys I'm don't sorry, know. What was the question me. again? Are there any 300 game winners that aren't in uh, aren't in the uh, Hall of Fame? Uh, yes. I don't believe so. Right. So that's a historic stat. Now, we've been taught. I mean, I remember when Felix Hernandez won the Cy Young, when Big Fish won the um, Cy Young Award. Like, and I think I want to say like he was like thirteen and twelve or something. But like his all the other numbers, the whip, the ERA, you know, all and then all the advanced analytics, all were he's the best pitcher in baseball. So we've been taught to to that that's not that important. Now, wins have gone down as far as being an important stat for pitchers. I and think. by the way, uh, Clemens won three fifty four, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Well, it's because he's steroid guy. He's all roided <laughs> up. Yeah. He he's yeah. all roided that's up, right? Hot. Right. So, um, uh, so we we used to value wins. We used to value batting average, right? Remember when batting average? And then everybody read or watched Moneyball. Most people watched it, and then said they read it. And you know they fell in love with the idea of on base percentage. All that matters is how much you get on base, or run scored, or your OPS, or your OPS plus, and calculations that most people don't know. But the number of runs you scored became more important than your actual batting average. Like, well, you only hit 244, but you walk so much, you're on base. Uh, who was it? Who was the Greek god of the walk? Um, Kevin Euclid. Kevin Euclid, who's actually Jewish, by the way. Did you know he's Jewish? Anyway, Euclid was the Greek god of the walk. Right? And you look at his batting average, like, well, he's not any good. And then you look at, well, he's on base almost half the time. So I guess here's the question. Does hitting hit batting four hundred? If uh, Arias bats four hundred, does it still matter? Let's go with you, Dan Byer. Yes, I think it does. Absolutely, to the level that it would have was Tony Gwynn was hitting four hundred during the the strike short in nineteen ninety four season three season ninety four ninety four season. Got it. Okay. Um, and it was a big thing. And it's still, obviously, Tony Gwynn no longer with us, is the, well, you know, Wade Boggs almost hit 400, and Tony Gwynn was hitting 400 until the strike short season, and the Montreal Expos were also the best team in baseball that year. Anyway, why does it still matter? To me, it matters for two reasons. Sorry, guys, if I'm stealing one of theirs by saying two. Number one, I just think it's a magical number. I just I think it is. But I think it's even more so in what is today's baseball, where it's home run or strikeout seemed to be the norm over so many years, and batting average just didn't matter. Um, I feel that this does matter in that sort of era. Plus, he is I mean, 75 points higher than Ronald Acuna Jr., who's second in the league. So, I think all of that uh, is a reason why it should matter. Ronald Acuna Jr., by the way, his OPS and OPS Plus is far higher than Arias. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr. is uh, .964 OPS. Arias is uh, .941. Their war, that's wins above replacement, um, Arias is eighth, eighth in... Um, all of baseball, 
Wanda Franco is one. Corbin Carroll, two. Fernando Tatis Jr. is third. Ronald Acuna Jr. is fourth, right? So, uh, what about you, John Ramos? You, I, I guess here's nice. my thing. Here, let me just, here's my thing. I do think it matters. Um, and I think part of the reason it matters is it actually supports all the other data as well. It's not. And, and tell me if I'm, I'm, I'm articulating this the right way. It's not like he just has a high batting average and every other number is like, it's like a, it's phony, right? Just high batting average. His, he leads the league in on-base percentage. He's on-base literally 45% of the time. His OPS and OPS plus and war are also top 10 in the league, despite the fact that uh, he's not a power hitter. So it shows that it's still a very, very effective way to play baseball is to put it in play. Okay, now here's the one caveat I have to it, or maybe asterisk I put by it. Does it change it at all that this is the first year with the new rules, so it makes it easier to put the ball in play? Right, there's no shift, so you can literally. You, it's much easier to hit it where you want to normally hit it and hit it where they ain't. Does that change that for you, Jay Stu? Not for no, not for me. I think we're, the the distinction that I was going to make is this: uh, if you're building a club and analytics is is your way, if you're like a Friedman um, who has just a, a, a group of nerds who focuses on things to be different and to be cute um, and never win a world championship, just be a good regular season general manager. Um, yeah, you can ignore 400 and RBIs and all that stuff, but as a fan, as somebody who grew up. And has never experienced a 400 hitter, and I think I speak for most baseball fans, it would be incredible to see somebody do it for once. But if you're team building, if you're, if you're a scout, I guess the average doesn't mean as much. So I think, I think the only complaint against this, or the only argument against us not caring about 400, comes from, I guess, the, the nerd scouts who are just firm believers in analytics. But I think the, the, but I, I, the viewing but I, but public I, really I, cares. Right? I even think the the nerd scouts that view, analytics. I mean, the analytics still support he's having a great year. But, you know, it it's more supportive of power hitters than it is of you know a guy who just gets on base. But it's still, I mean, OPS and OPS plus and WAR and OBP are still through the roof. So it, it still supports that he's having a great year. It's not saying he's having the best year. But it, it does still mean something. Okay, well, that's a different argument. If we're arguing whether or not he's having a great year, then that well, it, it, it means. Or, I thought I, it was. Do we still care about four hundred? And I, right. I, I really do. Yeah. Okay, I, I do as well because it's it's like the it's it's like the sixty one home runs, which is the real mark, right? Sixty one home runs is the real mark to me. How many did Aaron Judge have last year? Sixty two. Yeah. So he's the home run champion, by the way. And by the way, uh, you said Tony Gwynn hit it was 394 yeah. and 94, right? Yeah. Matt Williams was trending to to uh, catch Robert Roger Maris that year. And I think Ken Griffey was too. People forget that that, uh, that was an expansion year. If it wasn't that year, it was the one before that, when the Marlins and Rockies came into the league. So the, the league was diluted a little bit. The pitching was was watered down. So all these players were racing for those records in 94. And then the strike happened. How come there's never been a 30 for 30 on Ken Griffey Jr.? Like, Ken Griffey Jr. was a transcendent 
MLB Network did it. Did, they did? Yeah, did a. Was it good? I didn't see it. Um, but I know that they did because they hyped it a few years ago. I, th- I thought it was like just called Junior or something like that. He was everybody's favorite player, wasn't he? Yes. Did anybody yes. not like go like like as much as right now you want to stop and watch? For me, it was Trout for a while, and then now Otani. Like multiply that by ten, and that was Ken Griffey Jr. There was something incredibly cool about first left-handed, and he had you know like lefties had that perfect swing, right? He just was so graceful, and just an amazing baseball player. That was back when baseball was cool, man. Can I uh, just bring up something when you yeah, mentioned the pitching? Yeah. This is this is great. So Jason pointed out that Roger Clemens uh, is the only pitcher that has 300 wins that is not in the Hall of Fame. Bobby Matthews has 297 wins and is not in the Hall of Fame. Now, Bobby Matthews uh, pitched in the 1870s. How about this record? You know how many wins Bobby Matthews had in 1874? Um, I'm, I'm listening. 42. 42 wins. He pitched, he started 64 games. Uh, or, or, yeah, no, he had 62 complete games, excuse me. Was 42 and 22 in 1874. Guys are getting 42 wins, 29 wins, 30 wins in the 1870s. I just thought it was crazy looking up the numbers. No, those stats are just silly. Those before, before the turn of the century stats. I mean, yeah, but Dave Roberts still would have taken him out <laughs> if he had a no-hitter. You know, but oh. Dave Roberts absolutely still would have taken him out. 652 innings pitched the following year. Oh my in god. 1875. Can you how do you did they have ice back then? Right? The how do you how do you how do you think they treated his arm? Oh his arm man. I don't know. Oh. I know you get you get a lot of stuff about him, but don't forget about old Ross, old Hoss Radebird with sixty wins in eighteen eighty four in one season. Well, that, who would you take, Doug? Old Hoss Radburn or Bobby Matthews? Like Bobby Matthews was a yeah, bum. Yeah. He was a bum. <laughs> and what did he do in the postseason? Right? What did he do uh, in the postseason? Really? When Bobby Matthews forty four wins, he want to win some in the postseason? Then call me. Plus the all important point. None of these guys faced anybody but white hitters. Right, I right. Mean, you need to make that point. Correct. In any baseball well, argument. Here we go. Yep. yep. All right. You know. <laughs> plumbers, too. Plumbers, too. J.J. Reddick called to say that he, if they were facing plumbers. Plumbers. But, I mean, I've told you guys my story about the natural, right? Have we told that on air? I don't think so. Have you ever read the book, The oh. Natural? Oh yeah, you've told this on there, but okay. it's worth another tell. Okay, real real quick, okay, because this is kind of going back to that era. So my senior year, AP English, at Tustin High School, our our final novel that we read was uh, was uh, the Natural, and I'll never forget. It's the last day of like classes as a senior, and you know, like I think I had like first through fourth period or whatever. And I remember we're, we're walking from first to second period, and my teammate and close friend, Rafi Lalazarian, we were talking, I was like, hey, what'd you write your paper on? He's like, oh, man, it's really good. I wrote it on uh, the symbolism of the lights exploding when he hits the home run to win the game. And I go, hey, Raf, um, you're not feeling well. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm feeling fine. Like, no, dude, you need to go home. You're sick. It's like, why? Well, I'm fine. It's like, you didn't read the book. In the book, in the natural, he throws the game, strikes out on purpose, gets thrown out of baseball. 
In the movie, The Natural, he hits the home run and the lights explode. That's a pretty good teammate of me, right? <laughs> Very good. Right? Yes. He had to go home and rewrite his paper. <laughs> he wasn't feeling well on the last day of school. Somehow it came back and, and turned it in. That Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. 
And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So now this is um, cashmere, right? Led Zeppelin, yeah. Yeah, but this wasn't written for the movie. Uh, no, no, it was not. No. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Mm. In the uh, Led Zeppelin hierarchy, where does Cashmere rank? John just said it's it's his favorite. It's my, as we talked about earlier, you can't make it everybody's, but personally, it's my favorite Led Zeppelin But song. if you go on the downloads, I think it's probably top three. Um, do you guys, we talked about what my favorite Zeppelin song is, isn't it? I don't think so. What Fool was it? in the Rain. That's another great song. I love Fool in the Rain. Later Zeppelin. Later Zeppelin? In fact, it's on their last album. What led to their breakup? The death of John Bonham, their drummer. That'll, that'll do it. So Def Leppard came back from a guy losing his arm. They couldn't come back from losing the drummer completely, right? That's correct. Was uh, <laughs> was was Spinal Tap always losing their drummer? They in were. Anyway, based upon Led Zeppelin? <laughs> That's a good, wow, I don't Maybe. know. Great drummer, great hair. Yeah. Great, yeah, uh, yes. What were all the tragedies that befell their drummer? That's that's a that's a that's a good one. Um, all right, we'll 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 cover that. That should be, we should do that. We should do that on the pod. We should do that on the pod. Drummers, drummers, best drummers. But interesting story about Kashmir. All right, Kashmir. We just bumped back with, um, you know, Cameron Crowe wrote the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Quickly to interrupt. Um, anybody else questioning why he says Kashmir? What is it? Ka- it's Kashmir. Kashmir. Okay. Cashmere. And uh Am I pronouncing it right or is he pronouncing it right? Doug, I think you are correct. Cool. I'll make sure. Isn't isn't that like a city in India? Yeah. Uh, I thought Kashmir is actually a kind of wool clothing. And, and a too. city in India. And I think it's right. both. Yeah, it's both. Okay. I think, I think one comes Moving from the on. other. Is it pronounced your way in India? No, I, I, I <laughs> That's honestly, a good question. Like, no, you're right. Like like my, Valid. My, my dad used to call it an infiniti. Like, no, it's an infinity. <laughs> infinity in, infiniti. Um what, uh, or he'd say a, a guru, like no, it's a guru. <laughs> no, it's a shooting guru, guru, like no guru. But maybe I don't know. It's pronounced differently, right? Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So the interesting no, I was part just about Kashmir, yeah. Well, in the movie Fast Times at Richmond High, Kashmir, Cameron Crowe wrote uh, this this scene that got cut out. So the reason why Mark Ratner was playing Led Zeppelin when he picked up Stacy is because his good buddy Damone said. When you pick up your date, make sure you're playing side one, Zeppelin four. Well, Cameron Crowe read a scene in between that where, where Ratner just couldn't get side one of Zeppelin four, and he could only get the album that Kashmir's on, and he just he was going to play it. The problem is, is that they edited it back, basically back to back. So the the viewer, if you were real astute, you realize, wait a minute, he's not he's not even playing anything from side one of Zeppelin four. Um, so there was a little bit of incontinuity there, but that's one of the charms of the movie. Right. Did any, did any of you guys uh, have a parent who had a car? John was the only one old enough, sorry, to have a car at that point in time that had an eight track in it. My dad's nineteen sixty eight Chevy Impala had an eight track player in it. Yes. Uh, uh, did you go down like to the record store and get an eight track tape? Like, did they come in singles? Like that's the whole thing. Yeah, all of the above. 
I think singles and albums. The bad thing about eight tracks, as we go farther back into time, was that they were reels, right? That were inside of the the track, and they didn't like end on songs as albums did. So you'd be listening to like Cashmere, <laughs> and they'd be like, "Oh, let," and it would just stop, and then we'd go. Rrr. Now I'm just saying because it was switching the eight track part of it, so they had no sense of bit of a design a, flaw. Yes, a, des- a design flaw in the eight track. Probably that's why it didn't last as long as we thought. I still it was. think the greatest invention in the history of our childhood was the uh, the dual cassette high speed dubbing. Right, that's that, good. That ushered in the wave of mixtapes. And mixtapes are still a thing. They're not tapes anymore, but it's still a saying. It's still a thing that all started with mixtapes with high speed, with dual cassette high speed dubbing. Guardians of the Galaxy. One of their main points is sure. that he, he has a mixtape, right. right? That's what uh, Star Lord has. I think my mom still has some of my mixtapes. Every breakup mixtape didn't it all end with "End of the Road"? <laughs> men, right? Didn't matter what the other songs were. It always ended up with "End of the Road." And according to our listener. All of our uh, love-making mixtapes have to have Iris on, in it by the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> Greatest love song of all time. All time, ever. So there's lots to talk about the college football playoff, which is going to expand in another year. In the meantime, we have the current college football playoff. Th- this is Nick Saban uh, on Joel Klatt's podcast. Even in the SEC, when you add Texas and Oklahoma, there's going to be more parity because there's probably going to be six, seven teams ranked in the top 20 sure. that are going to be playing each other. So, uh, But the problem with the way the whole system is, there's no account accounting for that. Right. So all we do is take the teams that win the most games at the end of the year and put them at the in the playoffs. But do you really get the best teams? You know, when, when, they, when they told me that we would be favored against three out of the four teams that got in the playoffs, I'm like – well, why aren't we in the playoff? Oh, he's right. Um, it's something that I said going back to last year, which is like we I, – I understand that the SEC can be obnoxious. I, I understand they can be obnoxious. But did you watch the national championship game? I mean, it's – there's a different level of financial investment. Um, They're also obviously now in – and, and look, the Big 12 is as well. Big 12 and the SEC are the only two conferences in Texas and in Florida. Right? So they're in the two biggest wellsprings for, two of the three biggest wellsprings for college football talent, really the two biggest, are Texas and Florida. And they're in Louisiana as well. Um, and the numbers of NFL draft picks every year dwarf all of the other leagues. Now, it doesn't mean that every SEC team or ever even team with more and NFL talent is better. But his point was like, let's just not go by who has the most wins. The, the problem with his argument is that, all right, so tell me the system that works for you. If this system doesn't work for you, you got to come up with a solution more than just state what the problem is. And the problem is he's saying like, look, we lost on a last second field goal. That was like a, a, a barely skimmed the upright to go in in front of 107,000 people at Neyland Stadium. And then we lost on a crazy comeback and two-point conversion under the lights on a Saturday night in Baton Rouge. Like, those are two incredible football games. Oh, yeah, and we had the best quarterback in college football. Best NFL prospect quarterback. We had all these things. So 
I, I think he's right in many aspects, but there I, I, I've yet to find a system that can fairly and equally try and decipher who's actually the best and not take record into account. It's it's a conundrum, and I just push back on Nick Saban saying that they would be favored in every game. They they would be because of what they are on paper and who they are and matchup wise. And there there is there's discrepancy with what the SEC has to go through and what the Big Ten has to go through. And this me saying as a Big Ten guy, there are more. There are more traps, I think, in an SEC schedule than a than a Big Ten schedule. I just I just cringe though at the fact of the games don't matter. And and the only way for Alabama to be if Alabama was was eight and four, they still probably would be favored over a majority of the teams because of you say to yourself, well, in a one game scenario, what is Nick Saban gonna put together sure. and what's Alabama gonna do? And it's just at some point you have to. You at, at, at some point, you lost too many games. You you, you, yeah. you take yourself out of it. Yeah. I, I agree there. And and um, and and look, it was it's also really hard to tell because sometimes teams, when you play them, are not the same by at the end of the year. Tennessee is a perfect example. Tennessee yes. was a national championship contender when they had Hen and Hooker. He tears his ACL in a game against Georgia, and the and you look at the Georgia game completely, the, the Tennessee game completely differently, completely differently. It's 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 actually a little bit of what makes college football great. Correct. And then, and then, in the same breath that I am saying uh, what I'm saying about the SEC and the Big Ten, you know, Ohio State is a 50 yard field goal away from taking out Georgia as the number one seed in the college sure. football, you know, semifinal. So like those those sort of things. Um, you know, I know it stinks for the SEC, but heck, they've also benefited by usually right. getting two teams. Correct. In, in, of, of the four. Of the four. Yes, in. yes. Right. And their problem is, is just sometimes they have three or four schools that are better. Big Ten benefited this past year with uh, Ohio State and Michigan getting in. There but, are. Let, let's let's uh, let, let's transition really quickly to uh, something we like to do on a daily basis. A quick baseball update in the most baseball way possible. We call it. That's baseball. It's time for That's Baseball. When things can't be explained in baseball, you just say, that's baseball. Like this one. Kansas City Royals are 0-14 when Jordan Lyles starts a game. 0-14. They lost last night, again, 14 straight time when he's on the mound. Why does the team continue to put a pitcher out there when they've lost 14 consecutive times when he started? That's, that's baseball. That's baseball. Mike Yastrzemski, oh yes, hit a fourth walk-off splash landing in McCovey Cove at Oracle Park last night. He's got the last two. Brandon Crawford and Barry Bonds have the others. How does a park that opened, has been open for more than 20 years and has that iconic body of water just beyond the shorter right field wall only have four walk-offs? That's baseball. That's baseball. And uh, as we discussed earlier, Marlins infielder Luis Arias went five for five last night against the Blue Jays. He's now hitting 400 on June 20th through Miami's 74th game of the season, the second longest into the season a player has hit 400 since 2000. He trails only Noma Gassiapara, who did it through 91 games with the 2000 Red Sox. 
How do you explain that? It's baseball. That's baseball. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Doug Allen Show, Fox Sports Radio. We have, we've hit a bunch of, we have not hit old school hip hop. Maybe we'll do that tomorrow. Let's get to our progressive play today. The press. Or the press. One and two. Luis Arias, uh, RBI double uh, to, to give the Marlins a 9-0 lead last night against the Blue Jays. They end up winning 11-0. That was our play of the progressive play of the day. Progressive making things even easier. They help you bundle your home and car insurance together. You can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Let's get to the press. The press. Fire. What do you got there, Denny? Doug, we start off putting a final bow on the U.S. Open. Uh, A lot of negativity uh, from the final round that occurred this past weekend and actually throughout the six or seven days of the U.S. Open this past week. But some positive news, at least viewership-wise. I don't know NBC cares about this, but ratings were the highest since 2019, averaging 6.2 million viewers for the final round. Just in reference, though, when Tiger Woods and Rocco Mediate ended up in a draw after 72 holes, that final round in 2008 was twice the amount, 12.1 million viewers, 6.2 this past weekend for the action at LACC on Sunday. Well, I mean, it's like I talked about yesterday. There's a lot of factors why there wasn't the buzz, with the exception of the plane overhead on Sunday. But I think the biggest factor was... Tigers, you know, Tigers one of one, man. It's just like Jordan. And trying to replace that level of excitement for one player is an impossible task. I also, though, feel that a lot of times we're reading releases on TV coverage saying largest since 2019, which is pre COVID, pre the disruption. It feels like now. Maybe we're starting to get back to that point. I'm curious if there's ever going to be a point where we're, you know, largest since 2016 or 2017. It just always seems like we hit that 2019 mark, and that's their way of spinning it. That yeah, yeah, it was better than the last three years because we're still in this COVID hangover. Correct. But just something to point One out. One would have thought that COVID would have better numbers because at least during COVID, everybody was home watching TV. Yes, but that's not the case. Correct. <laughs> kind of miss COVID. Not the not the not the disease. The, I, I like. I still think we should have like two weeks a year where nobody can do anything. Got to hang out around the house of the kids. Yeah, I I agree with that. I agree with that solely. Uh, John Ramos will still be here working though. That is for sure. Yahoo Sports <laughs> true. says the Portland Trailblazers feel they can put together a package to acquire a Heat forward Bam Adebayo. Why are you going through Yahoo Sports? Put together the package, trade for Bam Adebayo, make it happen, and then let, let Yahoo Sports know. Braves outfielder Ronald Acuna Jr., the leading vote-getter for next month's All-Star Game in Seattle with more than 2.2 million votes. What is it about the Braves they can drive up? You know, Ronald Acuna Jr., he's the one, one of those guys that signed those early contracts. I think $17 million a year for like 10 years or something. Talk about a discount. Holy cow. He could be the first player, I want to say, ever to hit 30 and 60, right? Right. S- 60 stolen bases. He's like well within those ranges. Yeah, he has 30 right now. That's a lot before the break. How about this? Mookie Betts second in outfielders in the NL with 1.4 million. 
Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks, third. So could get some young talent. Of course, there's the the ballot, and then they have the other ballots uh, after that, the second round of voting. And they get the secret ballots. Yes. Then, then they got to count Arizona. And then uh, Leo Messi's debut with Inter-Miami <laughs> expected to take place on July 21st. It's going to take place in a League's Cup match. Is that going to draw you into the MLS, Doug? Nope. It's nope. Dra- drawn a lot of people. Does it? I, I was surprised. I was in the day, I think you were in for, for Colin, yeah. when it happened, and I, I completely downplayed it by saying, I just wish the MLS would get these guys when they're at the top of their game. Yeah. But this is different than maybe some of the other signings that we've seen How recently. So? Just the enormous interest in the boost of social media follows and the, the buildup of it. I don't think that people really... Care it it rivals the Beckham arrival. Yeah, I, I totally agree yeah. with that. I mean, it's it's messy, right? I yes. mean, he's a, on an all time great, but he's still at the end of the run, and they're going to massively. He's only coming for a massive overpay in America against inferior competition to what he's used to. Some yeah. NFL odds to wrap things up on the I mean, press. Dwight Howard going to Taiwan. What quarterback you think has the best odds to throw for the most passing yards in 2023? Any Ooh. guesses from all, any three of you? I mean, Pat Mahomes has got to be in there. That is number one, yes. Josh Allen? Uh, he is fifth, actually. Justin, Justin Herbert, Herbert second. Yeah. And Joe Burrow, third. Kirk Cousins, fourth, 10 to 1. Then Josh Allen at 12 to 1. And that's the press. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. Uh, okay, so tomorrow we start a little bit of draft prep, right? Tomorrow's Wednesday. Draft is Thursday. I- I'm not going to. Talk ish about Victor Webanyama, but I am going to downplay a little bit this massive, massive hype machine trying to get you to watch the NBA draft and what you really need to know about prospects. We only talk about their offense when their defense is actually, in many ways, what matters. In the meantime, Dodgers Angels tonight. I'll give you my pick in the pod, which is up now. It's Doug Gottlieb Show. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. 
Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.